as you come, so share. Thanks, Rob. How you doing? Just going to sort myself out here. Yes, I am Paul Benython's son. Um, I've, said, I've said that a lot my whole life. Um, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm very blessed to have the parents that I do. Um, very blessed. So uh, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm, uh, I'm third generation pastor. So uh, very, very proud of that. So, uh, so obviously my last name is Benython. So had a little bit to do with the uh, founding of South Australia. At least my great, great, great something or other grandparents did. Um, but, uh, but that's certainly not the heritage that I am uh, impressed with. Um, I've, uh, yeah, as I said, third generation. My grandfather was a pastor with Leo Harris in Sturt Street with the Adelaide Crusade Centre. For all those uh, who've been around a while, you might remember that. So uh, he was associate pastor there, planted church uh, in Stirling and uh, all around the Adelaide Hills and different things like that. Um, my dad's ministry and uh, where I really grew up um, was uh, dad's ministry was rebuilding broken churches. And so, uh, so as a kid, uh, my memory of church was uh, being in a church for maybe three, four years. Uh, I was a kid. I, I didn't know at the time. You know, I, I had no idea. I was just a kid and just, uh, just enjoyed being in church. But, uh, but mum and dad come into a church where there had been uh, issues or challenges in the life of the church, maybe church split, things like that. And, then, uh, and they would bring healing to that church, restore it. And uh, for me as a kid, it felt like every time church started to get good, we'd go to the next church, you know, like, and uh, where there was no families, no kids, and, uh, and you just kind of started again. But, um, but mum and dad uh, did very well, and, uh, and, and one of the things that I know for now being a parent with kids and things like myself is that they always made church fun, they made serving God fun, they made it it's something that we all did as a family. It wasn't their ministry, and we just got dragged along, it was all of us all together, and so that's certainly something that, um, that I want to bring into my family with, with my kids. So, so, uh, so my ministry journey was very much, um, uh, grew up in church, loved the house of God, and, uh, and, that, and that is really, um, that, that's, that's really my passion, is, is the house of God, you know, like uh, growing up people, you know, they always say, you'd be in meetings like this, people go, what's your passion, what is it you want to do, you know, what, what is the thing God's put in your heart, and it was always for me. And I love that message that Pastor Rob just said, just, just serve the house of God. Just serve Jesus. That's all you got to do. Just serve God. And that, and that was what uh, was very much uh, myself. And so, um, so, uh, so I, I finished high school, wanted to serve God. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as you know, those opportunities uh, tend to come up. The, you know, it's not about pursuing them per se. And so, uh, so I uh, did a trade after school, became an electrician. So a uh, good one to do. And so I uh, did, did my trade, and, uh, but all the time serving in the house, uh, serving in youth ministries with guys like John Newsham back here and Matt George, uh, served together uh, in youth and uh, young adults and things like that. You know, in fact, Matt and I, were you there that night where we, we had all those candles on stage at, at young adults? So, uh, so I, was, I was a young adult uh, pastor along with another guy, and Matt was part of our team uh, in this young adult ministry. So we thought it would be a great idea. We had a stage like this to put candles all over the stage because it looked nice. The problem was is that we, we had so many of those tea light candles, like we literally loaded the stage, like just put them all next to each other that it got so hot that the wax itself actually caught on fire. So it was like a, it was like a fat fire, right? So the, and so one of the guys in the church, uh, Nathan Bennett, Nathan Bennett thought, no, it was Bennett, he thought it'd be smart. So he went and got water and threw, well, what do you think water does on a fat fire? So he throws the water on the fire, and this is the truth, because Matthew was there, and this big flame went up, and I kid you not, the song we were singing at the time was Fire Come Down. I, I swear it's the truth, right? And this big thing, and by this point, you know, like, the service stopped, and everyone's fire hoses are coming in, and it was, just, it was just pandemonium, and I jumped up on the stage, and I was like, guys, you're singing a little bit too well, all right? You just need to tone it down a bit, because the fire is literally uh, coming down. And, uh, but great, great time. So served, uh, served in the uh, youth ministry there um, out at Paradise Influences, was part of the team there, and uh, really enjoyed my time there. And then uh, served also in the city campus. So the church there had a campus in the city, the Old Word Bookstore on Curry Street there. So I was involved with the, uh, with the and really oversaw the project to, to make over that building and turn it into the church. 
And uh, it's great to see now that, you know, that campus there is really growing. And it was about that point we felt like uh, God was calling us on to, a, to do something new and different. And so I took up a post uh, in Queensland with a guy called Pastor Mark Elmendorp. If you remember Mark Elmendorp from back and so, uh, he's an old Paradise guy as well. And uh, uh, was his associate pastor for six years. And uh, really, um, really was a, that, it was a really defining, for me in terms of my ministry, was a really defining uh, six years. I'd been uh, in Paradise and part of the, um, the, um, the bigness of Paradise and all that goes into that and everything that goes on to where, um, where I landed with, with Mark and, uh, and sort of just um, uh, being, now having to kind of make things happen without this kind of big machine around me. And, uh, and so I really had to learn and grow in that. And uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Nina were just fantastic in releasing me and just uh, enabling me and doing all those things. And we really saw uh, the church grow into a multi-site location. Uh, when I got there, the church uh, was about 300 people. By the time I left, we were pushing close to 1,000. Um, we, just, we just grew. People just came in. God blessed us. Uh, ministry and just being able to do things overseas and all these all these things uh, that God brought about, um, things that God put on my heart when I was a little kid, sitting in church, listening to the Peter Morrows and the, uh, and, and the Pat Mercedes and these guys preach and just stir faith and things like that and being able to, uh, to then be able to outwork some of those things uh, was, just, was just great. And so um, I've, um, it, I, I really grew in that time. Um, particularly, if, you know, I know there's a couple of people here who knew me back then, and uh, I think people would have said of me uh, prior to going to Brisbane that, you know, Jonathan, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a pastor, he loves people, and he's good at, you know, getting around people and that. Uh, going to Queensland, I had to, uh, out of necessity, pick up the things of structure, the things of putting things into the life of the church to enable the church to grow, to help people to function in their gifts and in drawing out people's talents and roles and, and the call of God upon their life. And so I had to grow this whole other side of ministry that I never knew that I had or really had any idea about. But being in the environment that I was in, uh, I had to do it. And I just learned so much. Uh, and when I share in a moment, you'll hear that, uh, you know, it's like anything. You learn what to do and sometimes you learn what not to do. And uh, you make mistakes on the way, but God is gracious, and uh, and He leads us through those things. And so, uh, and so, yeah. So that's that's a, a bit of my journey. Um, it's interesting now coming back, and uh, and so now currently, so I work for the state. So I do that um, uh, three days, and then I work uh, two days at Hope Church with Pastor Josh Brett, uh, just in helping them in in their service there. So, you know, when I was I was coming down talking with Rob, he was like, oh, so what? you know, operations manager, trying to sort of work out what my title is. And this is how I explain uh, what I do. Because people go, you work for the state, what does that mean? Like, what do you do? So this, this is how I explain it, right? So you've got a state executive and the president, right? And you've got elderships and boy, you've got things like that. And so you sit around a room and you have all these wonderful ideas and you come up with all these creative ways to do things and you talk and that kind of thing. And then at the end, you sit and go, now who's going to do it? That's, that's where I come in, all right? So that's, so that's basically, that, that's, the, that, that's really what it is, really. At the end of the day, it's, uh, it's uh, the executive, and we've got a great executive who loved the state, loved the churches here, and, uh, and, and so uh, I, uh, I get to sit there, and I listen in the state executive, and these guys come up with all these ideas, and then they look at me and go, now you do it. And, uh, and, so, and so that's what I do. So that's what I do, and I love it. I'm passionate about it. Uh, I love the church. I believe the church, the cause of Christ is the single greatest thing that we have on this earth. It's, it's in the day, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what else there is. If you can find something better, please let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear about it. But I just think the cause of Jesus Christ is just the, uh, we, we are so privileged to be able to serve him and to uh, do what we do. And, uh, and I don't take it um, flippantly. I don't take it, certainly ministry wasn't an expectation in my household. It wasn't like, well, you're this, so you're therefore going to do that. Um, it's certainly something that I feel that God has, me as an individual, birthed in my heart, and uh, and I'm looking forward to and really believe that the uh, the greatest days of the church are ahead. The the greatest days are ahead of us. So uh, I just want to share with you this morning, and uh, and it's great even um, um, just uh, you know hearing Rob Pastor Rob share this morning, and because uh, I really feel like I want to sort of build upon that um, uh, today. 
But, uh, but actually, just before I get into that, uh, I do want to encourage you and would love you to come to State Conference. Um, we're going to do things a little bit different this year, and so if you don't like any of the ideas, uh, I apologize, but, uh, but, uh, but that's some of those things are, uh, are some of the thoughts and things that I sort of think would sort of help, so I hope they do. But uh, you, you might have noticed that this year we're doing conference, we're actually going to start at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so that's something that has never kind of been done in South Australia. Normally, you think about State Conference, you start at 9.30, you go through, well, we've kind of uh, flip the script a bit and we've kind of to start at two o'clock because we actually want to foster opportunity for pastors to meet and get together the ability to have lunch before coming along and then we also too we want to sort of squash everything in so uh so it gives you opportunity because i know that for many people uh you know they're bivocational uh trying to uh you know move things around in their life to be able to be there so we thought by starting at two we finish at about eight o'clock and we kind of run right through and we, we got food there for you and all this kind of thing. So, so we kind of want to put it all together. And we just really want to help foster relationship and connection uh, within the state. So we thought rather than kind of drawing it out, we're going to squash it all together. So it uh, so, uh, be great. And also, too, understanding that people have to travel up and coming from regional areas as well. By starting in the afternoon, we give people more opportunity to get in the morning. So just things like that. So we're doing that differently. And, uh, and, and also, obviously, the speakers that we have. Uh, I know are really going to be a great blessing, but but to me, uh, and again, we're talking about this this morning. To me, beyond all of that, um, you know, we we are blessed in Australia to have great leaders and great speakers and things like that. But uh, but you know what? There are great leaders and great speakers in the state. You know, like like and and often, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the power of the lost coin. You know, like the the coin is in the house. You know, the gold is in the house. We just got to sweep the floor to find it. And I think often. Uh, and, and I'm really excited and how I want to sort of really make especially conference kind of work is that, yes, you will be fed and you'll be ministered to from the platform, but I also believe that you'll be fed and ministered to across the aisle. And it's the conversation that you have with the person next to you where you go, man, I'm going through this. And you meet someone who goes, well, I went through that last year and I found this, this and this. And you'll get more in that as much as you will from anything you get from a platform. You know, and I, and I think that's really critical in our state is that, is that, uh, is that it's great that we have great ministries in Australia, great people doing great things. Over Mark Verigese is an amazing man of God. God is using him just to, uh, just to do great things literally all around the world. But can I tell you, there are great people sitting in the room right here. There are great people going to be sitting in that conference that we want you to connect and engage with. And so I'm excited about that and, uh, and bringing that up. Anyway, that's all about that. So we'd love to see you there. Now, uh, I want to... Uh, Read to you, first of all, from uh, Acts 3, right? Now, this is the story of Peter and John going to the temple. Now, who remembers the song? Who remembers the song we used to sing? You remember the song? No, you remember the song? Peter and John went to pray. And they met a lame man on the way. Uh, What's the next line? I can't remember. Uh, None. But such as I have, I'll give you, remember, a few more nods now, in the name of Jesus Christ, come on now, of Nazareth, rise up and walk, he went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God, in the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk, well done guys, well done, some people went to Sunday school like me, so that's cool, that's cool, remember that one? Yeah. Bring that one up in the prison. <laughs> See how you go. All right. I'm going to read to you just after that moment. So that's just happened. Peter and John, they've done their thing. The man's walking and leaping and praising God. All right. He's doing all of that. And then uh, this is what we're going to read from verse 11. It says, While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together uh, to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Now, I. This is a little side, little sidebar. I want to stop right here. You know what I love? You know what I love? I love this about the Bible. I love this about God. And I love this about Peter. It says, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. So Peter, this great miracle's happened. He's all happy, this kind of thing. Peter notices all these people starting to gather around. And what does Peter do? He goes, this is a, I've got a chance here to say something to some people. You know, like, I, I'm going to take my shot here and I've got, a, I've got a crowd. So I'm going to use this opportunity. You know, I love that God uses who we are 
He uses our personalities. He uses the things about us. You know, I, I mean, it was Peter and John. John didn't say anything. John, John's not looking, but P, old Pete, he's looking and going, oh, man, there's a, there's, a, there's a crowd coming here. Quick, John, get the soapbox. Quick, quick. You know, like he like, takes the opportunity to share to all these people about the goodness and the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, I love that God uses our personalities. God will use who you are. God forms you. He creates you. He puts all the things within you. Knowing all of that, knowing all that good, bad, and ugly, everything in between, knowing all of that, and he goes, you know what? I can use that to glorify my name. Don't you love that about God? Don't you love that we're not cookie cutters, that he uses each one of us individually, that we all have a unique plan, call, and purpose, and he takes those intricacies of who we are, and he goes, you know what? I can use that for my glory. I I love that about God. I love that about God. And you see that right here. It says, and Peter saw it. He took the opportunity and he addressed the people saying, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety that we have made him walk. The God of Abraham. Everyone say the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. The God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus. What I want to share with you today, I've called why not the God of Abram? Why not the God of Ishmael? And why not the God of Israel? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this time that we have together. And we just pray that you bless us in your name. Amen. You know, throughout Scripture, you see it with Moses, the prophets, even Jesus himself refers to God as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And, and I get it. I can see why they do that. Obviously, they're referencing, uh, you know, the, the, those three men are the patriarchs. They are, they are the founders. They are the, they are the beginning of Israel. They are the beginning of where, you know, the Jewish people, the, where they're living right there right now. That is, the, that is the beginning of it all. It all started right there with the covenant relationship that God establishes uh, with, with Abraham. And we see that same covenant, those same promises passed down to Isaac and then passed down again to Jacob. So I... I, can, I get it. I, I see why that's a reference point. I see why there's a, there's a hearkening back, a throwing back of an establishment where this is the line. And I get why that happened and why that's there. But I just want to flip it today. I just want to flip that idea for us this morning and just ask the question, but why, why not the God of Abram, the God of Ishmael, and the God of Israel? So why not Abram, right? Abram was called by God. Uh, God spoke to him and told him to leave the land of his fathers. He said, look, you're gonna, I'm going to take you to a new land. I'm going to show you. Doesn't really give him the blueprint. Just says, start walking and we'll work it out as we go. Again, aren't you glad that that's what God does with us? That he doesn't wait for us to have every plan, everything mapped. He just goes, you start walking and let's work it out together. You know, so Abram does that. He begins to walk. He begins to journey. He begins to go to the place that God is going to show him. And, and this is good. And, you know, like all of us in our lives, you know, like there are things that in our journey with God that we do well. There's things in our journey with God that we could have done better. There's things that we would have done different. We had our time again. There's, you know, and, and Abram's journey is like that. You know, I'm sure when he looked back, he would go, gee, I could have done that better. Gee, I wish I'd thought about that a bit more. Maybe I shouldn't have told the guy that it was a sister, not my wife. You know, like, like I'm sure he had moments where he thought, gee, I could have done that a bit better. But God journeys with us, doesn't he? He doesn't just kind of flick us off, but he journeys with us. And we see this with Abram, that he goes on this journey, and, and, and it's, like, it's very much like that in the call of ministry, isn't it? We, we start this journey of ministry, and have you ever found yourself doing things in ministry where you're just in that, and right in that moment you go, I, I never thought I'd be here. You know what I mean? Like, like this, this, was, this wasn't part of the plan. You know, I remember um, a few years ago in, uh, in Brisbane, uh, we had a, a guy in the church, um, a great guy in the church. He was the guy who, um, you know, as the pastor, he comes up to you and he's always, you know, got a joke to tell you. And, and he, you know, he was, a, he was six foot four, big man, uh, like big farmer, you know, had, had hands the size of dinner plates. You know, like just be like, hey, pastor, there you go. He was like, he was that guy, right? It's, uh, is that you, is it? Oh, how you going? Thanks for being here. Look at his hands, a dinner plate, right? <laughs> so that was... So that's this guy. So that's this guy. Or if you really want an example, just look back here. Right? So, so that was John, John Ramsey was his name. Right? 
Uh, John Ramsey was a, was a great man, loved God, and uh, wanted to serve God, but, uh, but uh, John struggled a lot with diabetes, and, uh, and anyway, there came a point that uh, he passed away. And so, uh, so I'd had a bit to do with John over the journey, and so uh, I remember his wife ringing me, uh, Elizabeth, she was uh, just distressed, obviously, she'd been at work, come home, and found John, uh, he'd fallen out of bed, he'd, he'd obviously died, he'd, gone to, he'd come home and went to go have a nap, and then uh, passed away. And so, uh, so the police had been and done their thing, and then the, uh, so I'd arrived as the police were leaving, and then the, um, the funeral directors were coming to uh, exhume the body. Is that the right word? Something like that. Collect the body, you know what I mean. So they come there, and so, so we're standing around and all that, and I'm, I'm talking, and uh, talking with Elizabeth, and some of their family were there, and, uh, and we're just sort of sharing together. It's, and you know what those moments are like, you know, like, you, there's nothing really to say, but it's just about being present, isn't it? It's just about being there. And so I was there doing that, just thinking back through all my pastoral training that I never got, but just somehow trying to work it out, because that's what you do, right? No one ever tells you what to do. So I'm there, so I'm just, yeah, you know, so we just kind of, and I'm just, just being there. And then the, the funeral uh, directors arrived, and they came in, and we could kind of hear them kind of banging around in the back. And, uh, you know, so, but I'm just, you know, just, I'm with the family just talking and, and uh, just doing all of that, just being a comfort. And then, uh, then finally one of the, the funeral directors appears and he comes over to me and he taps me on the shoulder and brings me, he's like, oh, can you just come here for a minute? So I go over and he goes, because John was a big man, uh, the room he was in and just the way the house was kind of laid out, it was really tight kind of path to kind of get out. And so they asked me to help move the body. I've never moved a body in my life. I, I don't know, you know. And so they're telling me, they go, look, look we'll, we'll do everything. We just need you to help to help carry. Well, John was so big that they couldn't even really zip it up. And so, so they put him in. So I'm carrying this bag, got this sling over my shoulder. And it's one of those moments where I'm going, how did I get here? Like, how did I get here? Like, this wasn't, it's, you do these things. Isn't this what happens in ministry? You then it's like, how did I get here? You know, like, and as, as we lift him up, his, um, his, they couldn't zip it right up, and his hand kind of flopped out like this, and his fingers are like on my fingers, right? Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a squeamish person by nature, but it was one of those moments where as I picked him up, I'm like, his hand's on my hand. Wow, it's actually really cold. Like, it actually, you know, like, it's one of those moments where I'm like, how did I get here? Like, this wasn't in the manual, you know? Like, when they prophesied over me to be in ministry, that, that was never part of the prophecy. The pastor missed that one out, you know? Like, and I'm shuffling around trying to carry this body uh, out to the car. We, we got him out. But it's one of those moments where you just go, how did I get here? And ministry is full of those moments. Ministry is the journey with God. It's just full of times. I think we just go, how, this, how did I get here? When, when This was never part of the plan. And we see this through Abram's life. We see these moments that he has along his way, and it's very much reflective of our own journey. You know, Abram means exalted father. You know, as leaders in the church, as leaders in the church, and, and hear what I'm saying, we are exalted. And that simply means that uh, exalted simply means that to, to lift something up, to, ho- to, ho- to hold something in high regard, right? That, that's that's the literal meaning of exalted. So we as leaders in the church, I would hope that, we hope that our people hold us in some level of regard, that, that we are held with some level of leadership, with some level of having the ability to speak into people's lives because we are seen as someone to be upheld, you know? Like, and, so, and so that's the, the, literally the, the meaning of Abram's name is exalted father. So we are to be lifted up and upheld and, and, and we should be held in high regard. That should be something that, that comes with, with who we are, because it's, you know, it's, it's hard to lead people if you're not seen in that light, right? It's hard to lead people if you don't have that place. Yet God, in changing His name, says that's not enough. It's not enough for you just to be exalted. It's not enough for you just to hold an office or a title or have a role or a place. Instead, God changes His name to Abraham, and the name Abraham literally means father of many. You see, our role, our job isn't just the title, isn't just to be held in high regard. Our role is to bring multiplication. 
we are to bring multiplication. We are to bring multiplication to our ministry, to our church. It's all good and well. Yes, let's have nice, but let's do all these things of church and they're all good things. But what are we multiplying? Are we just holding things up in high regard or are we bringing fruit? Are we being multipliers of the kingdom of God? Uh, are we sowing seed into people's lives that is going to bring a multiplication effect down the line long after you and I are no longer here on this earth? You know, isn't that what we're called to do? Isn't that what we're called to do? To multiply the seed, to multiply the kingdom of God in the lives of people, to draw the gift out. I love what you shared, Rob. It's so true. To draw the things out of people, to multiply the seed in their life, that they might multiply seed in someone else's life. That they might multiply seeds in someone else's life. And so Abraham never, ever saw the nation. He never, ever saw the end result. But he was the beginning of the things that God did. And that's where you and I, that's the place that we can stand in. That we're not just exalted with a title, that we don't just have a place or a role to play in the life of the church to, to execute some meetings on a weekend at a certain time and set things, follow the pattern, the order. No, we are to bring multiplication. We are to be the father and the mother of many, to bring multiplication to the lives of the people around us. You know, a seed... A seed within itself, it's, it's so good that the, the Bible, and God's smart. You know, he uses the example of the seed because within the seed, there comes so much more. There's not just one seed that comes from uh, a seed. A seed can be a tree, and that tree can have multiple fruit, multiple seed, and there's that multiplication effect. That is the ministry that God has called us to. That, that is why our lives is to be marked by. You see, we are not called to be perfect. We are called to be fruitful. We are called to be fruitful. We're not called to be without faults. You know, God uses our personalities. God uses the things of us, but we are called to produce fruit. See, Abram received blessing. Abraham transmitted blessing. You know, we are to be transmitters of the blessing of God. It doesn't just stop with us. It doesn't just sit with us, but Abraham transmitted the covenant, the promise throughout his family. You know, that's why, that's why it's the God of Abraham and not the God of Abram. Because it's the God of Abram that stops with us. But who knows that God's plan is never about us, it's about others. It's about transmitting the blessing. It's about taking what God has done in our life and saying, hey, you need this. You need it. I'm, multiply, multiply, multiply the things that God has done in us. We are blessed to be a blessing, amen? What time am I supposed to finish? Sorry, I'll, I'll leave chat. Let me know. We're all right? 20 past 12? All right, cool. We can do that. Very good. Why not Ishmael? So why not Ishmael, right? So we know why Abraham and not Abram. Why not Ishmael? Why, why not use Ishmael? The Bible says that Ishmael was a wild donkey of a man. Now there's a descriptive word if you ever heard it. Right, a wild donkey of a man. I don't even totally know what that means, but it just doesn't sound great, does it? It's just like you can call me lots of things, just don't call me a wild donkey of a man. All right, so this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that that was Ishmael. Um, maybe he had buck teeth. I don't know, but that's what they call him. Right, he was a wild donkey of a man. He had a face like a horse. Um, you know, Ishmael came about. It's interesting, right? Ishmael came about pretty much. Pretty much come, comes about from a throwaway line from Sarah. All right, you read in the Bible, you see there, obviously they want to have kids, they want to be this great nation, things ain't happening. Right? So Sarah kind of has this throwaway line of, well, Abram, why don't you go take you know, one of the maidservants, Haggai, why don't you go off with her and see what happened? And I think a little bit, and this is, this is the Jonathan Bonython interpretation, all right? So that's, uh, I feel like, and when I read that, I feel like, Sarah's kind of done this throwaway line, and then Abram's gone, okay, you know, and he's just gone, and I kind of see Sarah going, wait, no, hang on, hang on, wait, you know, like, but once you say things, that's why we've got to be so careful with our words, isn't it? That's why we've got to be so careful with our words, you know, because Abram takes this word and goes, yeah, all right, okay, no worries, you know, like, I'll give it a go, you know, so, so, now that's the JB translation, all right, so don't, 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 that's not, not official, right, but that's how I, that's how I see it, that's, that's how I root it, and so often, 
so often in our ministries and in our churches, what starts off with a throwaway line, uh, an attitude, a small attitude, a little thought, a little bit of discontent, a little thing that is left undealt with, becomes a big headache. It becomes a big problem, right? And that's what we see here with Ishmael. So why Isaac and not Ishmael? Because God won't accept counterfeits. God will never accept a counterfeit of the promise that he has given. He'll never take a counterfeit. See, Ishmael was man's idea, not God's promise. You know, God won't accept anything less. He won't accept anything less. He can't. He's a holy God. He won't, he won't be, he won't settle. God, God can't settle for second best. That's why he sent Jesus to make us right. Because Jesus was his best. So he's not going to settle for second best. God won't settle for second best. You know, Abraham was the one who created Ishmael. You know how you can tell, you know how you can tell if in your ministry, if in your church, how you can tell if you've got an Ishmael is if there's a little piece of yourself in that problem. Because in Ishmael, there was a little piece of Abraham. There's a piece of Abraham that Abraham could see in Ishmael that was a part of him. And you'll know in your church and in your ministry if what you're looking at is an Ishmael because it'll have a little bit of you in it. There'll be a little bit of you. There'll be a little bit of, a little bit of pride. A little bit of your attitude towards something. A little bit of the things that God is wanting to deal in you will come up. And you'll, that's when you'll be able to recognize and go, that's, that's an Ishmael. That, that's an Ishmael. Because they'll always have a little bit of you. You know, if you're prone to anger or emotional responses, then you will create Ishmael's of anger and emotional response. You know, it, Rob, you said before, it's, it's so true, you know, like if, we, if we're quick to shift people into the category of they're just an idiot, right? Can we be real here for a moment? Can we talk ministry here? If we're quick to shift people into the category of, well, they're hopeless, they're, they're an idiot, I don't, I don't need, if we're quick to do that, then it's no wonder that we face challenges in our own ministry in trying to move forward in the things that God is doing in us. Because if we're all honest, if we're all brutally honest, we were once that idiot once, right? We were once that person that someone didn't give up on us. Someone encouraged us. So I love what you said. Keep going. Keep, persevere, persevere. Because if we're all honest, someone persevered with us to get us to where we are. See, that's how you can tell if you've got Ishmael. See, Ishmael's, Ishmael shows selfishness and a lack of trust in God. You know, Ishmael's are, are a prideful attitude. You know, Ishmael's in our life, Ishmael's in our life are anything, uh, Ishmael's in our life are anything where God's best isn't enough for us. When what God has planned for your life isn't enough, that's when you create an Ishmael. And we have to be careful to guard those things. We have to be careful, you know, even in our ministry, you know, God is always more interested in you than anything you will ever do for Him. Ultimately, ministry is a byproduct of the work that God is doing in our own life. And so, when we don't settle for what God has for us, because we think we should have this, or it should be that, or it should look like this, or why isn't my church doing that, or why is this person like this, and how come I'm having this issue, and why isn't my building like this, and this person won't come along, and now they're going over there. Ultimately, God, God's interested in you. God's going, well, what's, what's going on in your heart? Well, how's your relationship with God? Because our ministry is just a byproduct of what God is doing in our own hearts and lives. Amen? You know, Ishmael's always seem like a good idea at the time, but they always come from a wrong motive. You know, Ishmael's always an attempt to bypass or fast-track the character-building processes of God. And don't we love those processes? Yeah. Because then, like I said, ultimately God's interested in you. You know, I remember as a, as a young pastor being um, uh, being on on staff at uh, at Paradise and being part of the church there, and uh, and and as a young pastor, not thinking I was pretty cool, but I wasn't really um, receiving uh, or learning about some information that I wasn't for me to know. And so being uh, a wise, young pastor, but I wasn't, I was, I was foolish, um, 
I, uh, I decided to, uh, to use that information to effectively make myself feel good and, uh, and share it with, uh, with a couple of people who didn't need to know either. But, uh, but I was doing it because it gave me something to talk about. I thought it made me look cool because I knew stuff because we all want to know stuff. We all want to know the little gossips and things going around the place. And so, and so, uh, so I decided to do that. Um, the problem is, and, and as what happens with these things, is that, you know, things always come back around, right? And so, uh, so this information that I'd shared about someone in a particular situation came back around. And, uh, and this particular person, and uh, I don't want to go into the situation, but uh, I'll tell you the person's name because I'll be forever grateful for this, was Pastor John Villani. Do you guys know Pastor John Villani? So he is, he is the pastor of pastors. At, he is the glue that holds that place together, right? Uh, absolute legend, Pastor John. So uh, Pastor John Villani came to me, and, uh, and I'll be forever grateful for this because it taught me a lesson as a, as a young uh, pastor thinking I was good when I wasn't really. Um, he came to me and he, and he sent me down and he goes, he goes, you said this and you told this. That was the wrong thing to do. You never should have done that. You, you know, that's gossip. That's not right. You've done, you know. And he, and he called me out and, and he pulled me up and I had nowhere to go. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I yeah, busted, right? You know, so, um, and, and, I, and I put my hand, see, I had created a niche mark. I had created something because in myself, I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be heard. I wanted to have the information that nobody else had because that makes me important. Because that's what I felt is what I needed. But I'm grateful for the John Villani's and someone in my life to actually put their finger on it and go, no, 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 no. Deal with these Ishmaels. Deal with these things because that will not help you. You see, that, that information, that thing, see, it was never about helping the church. It was never about helping the people. It was about me. It was about my selfish ambition. And I'm so glad that somebody pulled me up on it and goes, no, 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 that's wrong. No, 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 don't, don't ever do that again. This would just, if you, if you perpetuate that in your ministry, you will be hurt, burnt, and broken. And nobody will ever want to talk to you about anything because you're just going to tell it to everyone else. You know? And trust me, I learned a lesson that day. And, and, and it's been something that I've been very conscious about. Anytime things come up, I'm always very conscious about, okay, why, how, dealing with this, that's why going upline, that's what you shared was so great. And I think dovetails so well into what I'm saying is take those things up line whereas I was using it for my own ambition you know I created Ishmael but someone pulled me up on it and helped me in that you know as leaders we need to be people of authenticity people who are real you know Isaac shows us that God's best is worth waiting for Isaac shows us that the process of God the process of God dealing with us is always ultimately for our best when God if God is dealing with you if God is if and God's always dealing with us, but as God deals with those things, understand that it's for your best, that God has your best in heart, that He is the He He knows the end game. He knows what the what the score is going to be at the end. He knows what needs to happen. And so trust Him as he, in His working in the character of us. You know, I'll, I'll finish this about Ishmael and Isaac. It says it, it's interesting that in um in the Bible where we read the account of the sacrifice of Isaac. Uh, with the attempted sacrifice, right? So it says that they go up the mountain, you know, he's got, he's got the wood on his back, he's got the fire in his hand, they build the altar, and uh, Isaac lays upon the altar and, and it gets ready, he's got the knife, you, you've all preached it, you've seen the scene in your head, he gets the knife, he's ready to strike him, then the angel comes and speaks, right? And this is what it says, it says, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, then it says this, your only son, your only son from me. It says your only son. Well, it wasn't Abraham's only son, right? We just read chapter, a couple of chapters before about Ishmael. So we know that it's not his only son, right? So what, what, what does it say this? Like what, what is that telling us? That's telling us something, right? You see, when we fear God, that is when we put God in his rightful place, when we honor God, when we have that... Uh, when we have that fear of God and, and we live like that, our Ishmaels are no longer counted against us. You know, all of us have Ishmaels in our journey where if we look back behind us and go, oh man, there's, there's a few train wrecks along the way. There's a few things I wish I'd done different. You know the good thing about God? He doesn't hold those things against us. How good is God? He doesn't hold those things against us. He doesn't say, 
Now that you've withheld your only son, even though you've got Ishmael back there and you stuffed up that one, at least you got this one, right? You know, like God doesn't say that. God says, no, 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 you fear me. You do not withhold your son, your only son. God never holds Ishmael against Abraham. He never holds it against him and go, oh, you, oh, you messed that one up. He never does. He never does. You know, God would never hold the Ishmaels in our lives against us because his son, his only son, was sacrificed for you and for me. And he died and he made us right. He made us pure. He set us apart. He put us on the right path. And it's through Jesus Christ that we no longer have our Ishmaels held against us. Amen? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? His son, his only son, was given for us. You know, through Jesus, we are made right, real, and authentic before God. You know, Isaac shows us that God, uh, shows us a God that not only is a God of the promise, but he is the God of the fulfilled promise. See, God gives us promises in our ministry. You know what I love about the promises of God is that he takes it upon himself to fulfill those promises. Isn't that amazing about God? He'll make a promise to us. He'll give us a promise. He'll birth a dream, a vision, a thing in our heart. And then God goes, hey, you know what? I know I've given you that dream. Now I'm going to take it upon myself to see that dream fulfilled if you would just journey along with me. Isn't that amazing about God? Don't you just love that about us, what He does? You know, your ministry, your church is never about you. The call of God is not about you. But God is smart enough in the process of the call of God to bless us through it. Isn't that so good? God, He just knows what He's doing. All right, we'll come to a close soon. So why Jacob? Why Jacob? Now, I've done this one a little bit different, right? Because I'm not saying, why not Israel? Because in the Bible, uh, there's actually uh, three separate occasions where uh, the, uh, the Bible does refer to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, right? Probably the one that you might have seen is in, uh, in, in, with Baal, the prophets of Baal with Elijah, when he goes to have that epic battle, you know, like, and they're building it up, building it up, building it up. And then, uh, and then uh, Elijah goes, you know, I'm going to show you that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel is the great, the only true God, you know? So, so we see that reference in there, all right? So we do see that on a few occasions in, in the Word of God, where it's referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. But what I want to say is, well, but why Jacob? Why Jacob? You know, I find it interesting that, it's, it's funny, when you read um, in Genesis, uh, I think it's 35, when, uh, when Jacob has the encounter and he gets his name changed, the Bible says that you will no longer be called Jacob, but you shall be called Israel. And the very next verse goes, and Jacob went on and did this. So the Bible itself doesn't even reinforce what it said. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's like every other Bible character has a name change. It goes on like that. But with Jacob, he has a name change, but we still know him as Jacob. And we still talk about it. And, and it just, that fascinates me. You know, like, like the Bible goes, you should now be known as Israel. Later on that day, Jacob went down to do that. Like, it, it's just, it's, read it yourself. It's in Genesis 35 is what it says, right? You see it there. So why, 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 why? Why does it do this? So before Israel, there was Jacob. You know, the, Jacob is a great character study. I love the story of Jacob. Um, I, I just think it's such an interesting life. You know, I think Jacob was definitely the kid at school who uh, at the end of high school, everyone wrote in the yearbook, he's the kid who's going to go to jail first. You know, like, like Jacob was that guy, right? I mean, his name means supplanter. His name means deceiver. His name means he's going to get one over you no matter what. You know, like he will find a way. He's a sneaking, conniving little son of a gun, right? That's what he is, right? And we see that throughout his life. We, we see that pattern in his life with his own brother, with the people around him, you know, like... Um, um, I love how Laban gets one over him with the daughters. Like, yeah, that's, I like the kind of irony in that. I think that's, I kind of appreciate that about Laban, that he kind of got one back over him. You know? but, we just, but we see that through his life, don't we? We see that through Jacob, that he's, he's this sneaking, conniving, you know, all these sorts of things, right? That's, that's just who he is, you know? Yeah, J- Jacob had a few Ishmaels along the way. All right, let's put it that way, right? He curated a lot of his own problems along the way, tried to do things in his own strength. So why is it the God of Jacob? Why, why is the name Jacob the constant reference point and not Israel? Surely Israel would have been a better example if you're going to say he's the God of, why would you say the God of Jacob? You know, like Jacob was nothing but a two-bit crook. You know, like, the God. why is it the constant reference point? Because ultimately, Jacob is a picture of grace. He's a picture of grace. See, Jacob gets what he didn't deserve. 
And you and I, we get what we don't deserve. We get what we don't deserve. It is, we, we are a product of the grace of God. We are a product of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who died on the cross. Yet while we were still sinners, He loved you. He loved me. He loved us first. It is a picture of grace. So why is it the God of Jacob? It's because it reminds us where we've all come from. It reminds us that no matter how big or how far, what our ministry does or what doors open or what that, it reminds us at the end of the day, hey, you were all Jacob. We were all messed up on our journey. We, we were all just had no clue, no idea what to do, yet by the grace of God, He picked us up. He pulled us out and He made something of our lives. He, he said, I can use this one. I can take this one. I can do something amazing. I, there's, I see a church in this one. I see a ministry in this one. I see this one speaking the lives of young people to kids, to adults, to families. I see, I see things growing and fruitfulness. God looked at you and me and that's what He saw. Aren't you glad that's what God saw? Aren't you glad that God can see the Israel in the Jacob? Aren't you glad that God can see the end game from where we are now? Yet, but He still loves us now. You know, God loved Jacob and God loved Israel. He loved who you are now and He loves who you're going to be. God knows what you've done, where you're at and where you're going. And God says, I love it and I will stand with you and walk with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Come on, I'm preaching someone this morning. I'm not going to walk away from you or bail on you when things get tough. I'm going to go a different direction. He says, no, I know who you were then and I called you then and I call you now and, and I've placed the things in you now because this is what I've designed your life to be about. Don't we serve a good God? Don't we serve an amazing God that He sees the Israel in you and me? He sees the kingdom in you and me. He sees the fruitfulness, the spite, the mess, and the muck, and the silly things that we do. God goes, you know what? I can do something with that, Jacob. He doesn't deserve it, but then who does? Who does? None of us deserve it. It's a picture of His grace. And our ministries and our churches and all that we do should be a picture of of the grace of Jesus Christ. Should be a picture of, hey, friend, you don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but we still get it. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. He sees who we are. The verse goes on. If we go back to Acts 3.13, it says, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, glorified his servant Jesus. It goes on in verse 16. It says, And in his name, by faith in his name, that is Jesus, uh, he has made this, the man strong whom you see now. And the faith that is through Jesus Christ has given this, uh, this man perfect health in the presence of you all. You know, if we want strong, healthy churches, it comes through the name of Jesus Christ. Our lives point to Jesus. When we glorify Jesus in our ministry, in our churches, in all our different contexts, you know, here, everyone here is in a different place, different context, different season, different arena. It's all different for all of us. But you know what? We all glorify Jesus. And we recognize that He is the God of promise. He is the God of Abraham. He is the God of Isaac. He is the God of the promise fulfilled. And he is the God of Jacob. He is the God who is full of grace and love, kindness and mercy, who takes us as we are to build what he sees for our lives. When we walk that journey and we lift up the name of Jesus, we will have strong and healthy churches that people will look at and marvel and go, surely God is in this place. Surely Jesus is real. Because look at the strong and the health that I can see. All right, let's just pray. Let's pray. Just close your eyes. Father, I thank you today. God, I thank you, Lord, for the call upon each one here, Lord God. God, I thank you that you, God, I thank you for the promises that you've given to each one here, Lord God. There's not one person here, Lord, Lord, who doesn't feel a sense of promise or a sense of something that they've heard from you, God. And God, I thank you, Lord God, that you are not only the promise giver, friend, pastor, let me tell you today, he is not just the promise giver, but he is the promise fulfiller. He is the promise fulfiller. He will be faithful to fulfill the promises that He has given to you. 
He would be faithful to fulfill those things. And even though Abraham might not have seen the full extent of what that promise looked for, looked like and what it was going to be like, you know, Pastor, for you today, know that he will be faithful to fulfill those promises. He will fulfill those promises that he has given into your life. He will fulfill those dreams and those visions, those things, because if he said it, he will do it. He made a promise to himself. You know, the covenant he made with Abraham was a covenant to himself because he can't swear by any other name but his own. He can't make a promise anything else to himself. So he says, I'll fulfill it. I'll give it to you, and I'll even fulfill it for you. So receive that today, Pastor. Receive that in faith that he has given you a promise that he will fulfill the promise. He will fulfill the things and the dreams and desires, the vision that he is given to you. He will be faithful to fulfill it. Father, I thank you that you are the God of the promise, that you are the God of the promise fulfilled, that you are the God of grace who sees us as we are, who loves us for who we are, who is prepared to journey with us and walk with us and grow us and help us. God, I thank you that you don't leave us or forsake us, that you never uh, just kind of put us in the you're the idiot corner, but God, you continue to love us and walk with us. And Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. And let our lives, let our church, let our ministry be a picture of the grace and the love of Jesus. That we might present healthy, that we might present strong uh, uh, people and churches and ministries before you, God, because of your grace for us, because of the name of Jesus Christ. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for churches represented here, Lord God. I thank you, Lord for the congregations and the people, Lord God, that are represented in this place, Lord, the, the people who, who uphold the name of Jesus in their towns and in their cities and in their context of where they are. And I just pray the richness of blessing upon them, Lord God. God, blessing, Lord God. God, I pray, Lord God, for each pastor here, Lord God, God, that they would find an armor bearer, Lord God, that someone would come alongside of them, Lord God, to take up the fight with them, Lord God, that they would not feel alone or desperate or by themselves, Lord God, but that they would know that you are with them, Lord God, and to each one, Lord God, align someone with them, Lord God. Align someone with common vision and common heart, Lord God. God, that the work of the ministry may be fulfilled and completed in the town and context where they are, Lord God, in the church and the ministry that you've given to them, Father God. God, I pray let there come a rallying cry, Lord God, in the life of each of these churches here, Lord God. God, that there's a, a common goal to lift up the name of Jesus. In no matter context, however that looks for each place, however that uniquely rolls out amongst each vision, Lord God. God, it's all the same. It's to lift up the name of Jesus. It's to point to Jesus. And so I pray, Lord God, for each church and pastor here, Lord. Lord, bless them, Lord God. Bless them, Lord God. Give them strength and courage, Lord God. God, help them, Lord God, to see, Lord God, that they may be where they are here right now, but God, you have a plan in mind, that there is a future, Lord God, that there is a hope that they can cling to, Father. And we just thank you, Jesus, for who you are and all that you've done. And in your name we pray. Amen. Come on, can we give God a hand in this place?